So as we mentioned, we are beginning a new series called The Stuff. And I don't mind telling you that the origin of this series came out of a conversation that Pastor Nikki and I had uh, months ago about Oreos. And we were talking about how, you know, it, it started out, there was just kind of a single layer Oreos. And then at some point they came out with double stuff, you know, which was revolutionary. And that is my preference. Um, and then not too long ago, uh, they came out with mega stuff. And, yeah. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, well, that's just uh, a no brainer. I mean, the more stuff you put in the Oreos, the, the greater they are. Right. And I don't know about you, but it was actually too much. It was too much for me. And I thought, you know, this is too much stuff. And so as we were talking about that, we talked about how, you know, we seem to think that the the more uh, that we make something right, the bigger that we make it, the better it will be. And that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes we can become overstuffed. And so what happens when we come up, when we find ourselves with too much stuff? In fact, there is a movie um, and I can't show any thing about it because it's not church appropriate, but it's actually called The Stuff. And it's about this alien substance that I can't remember how, but somehow it arrives on Earth and um, and it becomes the sensation of the entire world. People literally eat it. And the more you eat, the more it takes you over. And so the catch line of the movie is, are you eating it or is it eating you? Think about the stuff, excuse me, that we have. Are we using it Or is it using us? In another movie, someone said it this way. They say, um, imagine for a second that you're carrying a backpack. And feel that backpack. Feel it on your shoulders. Feel, Feel the straps over you. And now pack it with all the stuff you have in your life. Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, Feel the weight of that backpack with all of your stuff in it. So it's not hard for us to think about how stuff can get in our way. It it can be a, a distraction. It can take us away from our direction. It can take us away from our purpose. It can take away. It can take us away from our identity. It can distract us from seeing who we are and who we are supposed to be. And with all of that, we are distracted from what it means to be a follower. Where are we supposed to be going? Who are we supposed to be following? What gets in the way? What, for example, gets in the way of worship? I wasn't really a big fan of Christmas for a number of years. Um... You know, as a pastor, and this probably isn't revelatory, but, you know, you get kind of caught up in, like, making sure that everything goes well, you know, goes smoothly, that we make sure that we have everything for everybody and everything is organized and, you know, as perfect as it can be. And um, as anybody who is in charge of Christmas in their world, that can be very draining and it can be very distracting. And the last few years that my family and I lived in Kansas, the cold did not help it at all. Because imagine doing all of this stuff, especially if you've never been in uh, in where it's cold during Christmas. Imagine being in charge of the, all of the stuff that you have to do, but you have to do it in frigid temperatures. But then when we moved to Lakeland and I started seeing what it is like to be in Christmas in T-shirts and shorts, I fell in love with Christmas again. 
And I found that I really needed it. I mean, I, I came to, to, to depend on it. And I don't know about you, but especially these last few years, wow, I really needed Christmas. So I love Christmas. And I love Christmas here in Lakeland. I love the lights. I love the way that we do Christmas here at first UMC Florida, Lakeland, Florida. There's nothing like it. But I have to confess, I still get distracted. I still get distracted and I still lose focus because I'm so focused on all of the stuff. But I have to say, I'm, I'm finding myself more and more open to the celebration of it, even going so far as celebrating Christmas in July. That was not my thing at all. My, my idea was you have to wait until December. December 1, okay, now we can put on the music, you know, we can hang stuff up. But, you know, Christmas in July, it's not that bad. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to watch Christmas Vacation from start to finish this month. Maybe a snippet here or two, but it is okay to celebrate Christmas in July. In fact, I want to put in a special plug for um, our Christmas devotion book, which is now open for business. So if you're feeling that Christmas spirit, you are more than welcome to submit a a little devotion. There's info in that uh, in your bulletin under the adult ministry section. And um, if you're feeling that Christmas tug, just know that we would love to hear and to read about your perspective of Christmas. So uh, lines are open. But what is that stuff that we love so much that may sometimes get in our way? I mean, can you think of those things, whether you have to provide them or whether you just want them? Some of those traditions that that we love and, and they're great, but maybe they pull us away from the real things. Can you think of them? Can anybody name some? Like, what is that stuff that you have to have on Christmas? It's a no it's a non negotiator. It's not Christmas without it. Anybody have any? Yeah. We think we have to have presents. Yes. Where are the presents? Why am I not unwrapping presents? When am I going to get my presents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those worldly things, those things we need to wrap our hands around. I heard something over here. Decorating cookies, got to have my Christmas cookies, got to have the right frosting, got to look right. I need to be able to see the Folgers commercial where Peter comes home for Christmas. It's not Christmas until I see that. Sugar, cinnamon, pecans. Christmas dinner. Yeah, where's where's the dinner? So we have these things and they're very tangible things, right? There's a pattern here. I got to see it. I got to hear it. I got to taste it. I got to feel it. I got to unwrap it. All of these things are great. Really, there's nothing wrong with them. But how do they help us really live into the meaning? I had a friend years ago who went to a mega church and he's, he wasn't a church goer. He just went with his family, he went to this huge church, had this great production. And he said it was all great. You know, there were there were ice skaters. There was a huge choir. I mean, there was all this great stuff. And he said, but, you know, I really just wanted to hear the story. I just want to hear the story. Yeah, the gift, the gift of the story. So what stuff gets in the way of us experiencing that story? And again, not just in December, not just during Advent. But what gets in the way of us hearing the story? I mean, do any of us read the Gospel of Luke or Matthew in July? Do we do we read the Christmas story? Do we need to read the Christmas story 
in July, especially this July. Wow. For some of us, it may not feel like Christmas at all as we're baking. But maybe that's when we need the story the most. What stuff gets in the way of how we hear this story and of how we worship in the midst of this story? So, as I said, this last week, um, some of us took a few of our youth to the United Methodist Youth Conference in Daytona. Now, this is a conference that only takes place every four years. And this year it happened to be in Daytona. So we got in, we loaded up the buses and we went there uh, before we got to Daytona. We stopped at the uh, Methodist Children's Home, spent about a day there uh, just working and seeing the place. But when we got to Daytona and the very first night. Um, that kicked everything off. We uh, started in, excuse me, worship. Now, to me, it didn't really seem like worship in the very beginning. In fact, I thought my heart was going to burst out of my chest. Um, all of this is to say I was not prepared at all. And there are thousands of youth. And I did not bring earplugs, at least that first night. The second night, I was more than ready with them. And there's all these lights and all of these images. And, you know, we're listening to bands like Forever Free and Ren Collective. And and we're, we are in such a place. So this is kind of in the side uh, side seating. The speakers are right behind us. So the bass is just overpowering. Um, but the youth are just taking it all in. And celebrating and just pouring out all of this stuff. And and it dawns on me, this is not about me. It's not about me and the experiences that I have been and what connects with me and, and what I uh, connect with. This is about the youth. And once I got over myself, then I was able to worship too. And it also reminded me that some of the stuff that I find uh, invigorating or um, that helps me get in sync can be a distraction to other people as well. And if I'm even able to confess further, sometimes the stuff that I think is important can be a distraction. Stuff like calls to worship, stuff like affirmations of faith, stuff, stuff like let us now please stand for our, you know, whatever it is, that sometimes can be a buffer between us and the the unorchestrated experience that we can have with God. So many times we try so hard to make all of this flow so smoothly and so naturally. And then when it doesn't work, we get even more distracted because we're kicking ourselves that we didn't get it right. Even in the current, even in a service like this, where we try to be a little bit more casual, um, a little bit more intimate, sometimes things don't go well. And we are distracted even more by the fact that it's not going the way that we think it should. And where is God in the midst of that? See, worshiping is not about coming to a specific place at a specific time for a certain amount of time, acting in a certain way. It is the way of life. Everything that we do, everything that we are able to do should be a reflection of who it is we say we are worshiping. Everything we do is an act of worship as a reflection of a God who loves and of a God who rescues. 
And I have to say, our youth did an amazing job of this throughout the whole week. Throughout the whole week of working um, and serving and being amongst others and being kind and considerate, not just to total strangers, but also to each other and in acts of worship, you should be proud of your youth group. Because not only are they kind, considerate young adults, they are also a reflection of a God who loves and cares. That's your youth. What would we do to someone who rescued us? What would we do to someone who saw us when no one else did? Who helped us when no one else did who restored us would saying thank you be close to enough what do we feel like we need to do to someone who pulls us out of darkness who puts us back into love and relationship and restoration how would we ever be able to adequately say thank you The point of worship is not about what we receive, but it is about how we live once we have received it. Worship is about what we do and why we do it. And not just during a service where everything is organized or mostly organized as best as it can be. But it's during those after times. And again, in the current, one of the things I love about the service is that we lift up and we even celebrate that things can be a little awkward. They can be a little disorganized. And in the midst of that, God is still here. And maybe because of that, God is still here. But it is not just in this place. It is not just where we are. It is also on the outside because life on the outside is even more super awkward and distracting and disorganized. And sometimes we just simply do not know our place. But the miracle of Christmas on any day is that Christ is born into a world of people who have been told one way or another that they are not worthy. And that is whom the angels appear. The shepherds. Now, there are some famous um, reflections of shepherds. You know, David was a shepherd. There's the image of the shepherd in Psalm 23. But for the most part, culturally, shepherds were not seen as heroes. They were seen as thieves and scoundrels, these filthy wanderers who just went from town to town to town, herding these these filthy sheep. And, you know, you you shouldn't turn your back on them because, you know, they could show up in the night. They could take all your stuff and they could leave and you had no idea where they were going. They had no place. They had no love. And so think now 2,000 years later. Those standing on street corners holding signs. Are they our shepherds? Those hanging out under Home Depot signs. Are those our shepherds? Those whose stories and histories we are now not able to fully know in our public schools. Are those our shepherds? 
It is the shepherds whom the angels appear and proclaim the good news. We worship to reflect that good news. And so in an act of worship, I invite us to just hear this story once again. Without all of the tinsel, without all of the red and the green and the gold, without the trees, without the presents, without the the sugar pecans, without the commercials, without all of that stuff. I simply invite us to hear the story. Now, we're going to do this in a practice called Lectio Divina. It's something that we've done um, once in a while. It's just a practice where we take a passage and we read it multiple times. And as we do it, we, we hopefully go deeper into the story, into the text. And so we're going to do this three times. Each time, we will be invited to go deeper into the story. So hear the story from the Gospel of Luke. And this first time, I just invite you to simply hear the words. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. I am here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you can look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all on earth whom God loves. And so the second time, as we go deeper into the story, I just invite us to find a word or phrase that speaks directly to us. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A savior has just been born in David's town, a savior who is Messiah and master. This is what you can look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all on earth whom God loves. This last time, as we go deeper, I just invite you to allow that word or that phrase to carry you into the miracle of this story. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly God's angels stood among them and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. I am here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. 
A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you are to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the heavenly heights. Peace to all on earth whom God loves. This is who we worship. This is why we worship. That God comes into our world, whatever day it may be, whatever season it may be, when we are in need, God responds with love and rescuing. And in the midst of that, gives us a call to then share that love and that restorative power to others who need to know and to be reminded that they too are loved by God. So it is our hope that we have experienced worship in this time. But as we go forward, wherever the current takes us, that we continue to be a reflection of the God we have experienced. And when we do that, that is an act of worship. No matter the day, no matter the season, no matter what stuff may get in our way, we reflect the one who restored us. And that is an act of worship. So may we go and reflect God's love and grace. And as we do, we continue to worship. May we go in peace. Amen.